And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray together. Lord, as we consider now this portion of your holy word, we pray that, that you might speak to us. Lord, I cannot preach this in a way that would penetrate to our hearts. Only you can do that. And so we pray that, that you might teach us, that you might make this book live to us as we consider these great words, as we consider our Savior. Lord, we pray that, that you would be active, that you'd be pleased to meet with us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Singing to the Lord. Well, I think it was Martin Luther that, that said, next to the word of God, the noble art of music, the greatest treasure in the world. And I believe he was right. I believe he was right. As I look back over the course of my life, nothing jogs my memory uh, nothing defines my experiences more than music. You know, when I was a, a child, my mother would sing to me those great songs that mom sings, Skidamarinky Dinky Dink, and, you know, the, Jesus Loves Me, all those great songs that we learn as kids. Think back to my time in, in youth choir, uh, to my time at school. I can still sing to you all 50 states in alphabetical order that I learned in the fourth grade. I can sing to you my play that we learned in the fourth grade. Uh, I think I've told you before that, that my dad had a little Ford Ranger pickup truck and uh, Journey's greatest hits were stuck in the tape player and I can sing every one of them because everywhere we went we listened to Journey's greatest hits. Um, and then not very many weeks ago Renee and I found an old CD case that was hers. It was in her car and so it was all the music that we listened to in high school and so she and I put it on and we were dancing around the living room like a bunch of fools. And our kids were like, what are you doing? These people are crazy. We were singing all these songs. Uh, and even now, as I look back, as I've gotten older, there's just this soundtrack that, that kind of runs over the, the course of my life. And certainly at the heart of that uh, are these songs that, that, that we sing here. Uh, and I realize that, that that may not be a universal truth for everyone, but, but I'm sure for many of you feel that way as you think about music, as you think about your lives. And that certainly been the case for God's people as you look back over the course of redemptive history. 
Obviously, as you go back into the Old Testament, you open the Psalms and you find the, the hymn book of God's people, right? Beginning with Moses, Psalm 90, running all the way through the exile, you see these great hymns of David, these great hymns that speak the truth of God's people to us. As you think about the, the Reformation, men like Martin Luther, men like Wesley, that, that wrote these great and moving hymns that we still sing today that, that speak to us God's truth. And even now, the, the, the music that's coming out of God's church now, all of these things, that they help capture the, the depth and the heights of emotion. That they help capture the, the worship of God. And few things recall the major events of redemption quite like music can. And so I say all of that to you by way of introduction to say that, that it's not surprising, or it shouldn't be surprising, that as we see that the greatest event of redemptive history, the incarnation, as God breaks into the world, it's not surprising that it is surrounded by hymns. It's surrounded by music. We're, we're going to see today two of those with Elizabeth and with Mary. But then, of course, you, you remember Zechariah. We'll see next week. You remember the angels' song as they sing to the shepherds. And then you see Simeon later on. He, he will sing as well. As, as God redeems a people, as the wonder of it all sets in on the hearts of these characters in these stories, they can't help but break forth and sing. They sing for joy. Now, friends, before we move on from that, I want to remind you that that should be the reality for all of us. Not just now, really all of the time, but certainly now. As we consider the incarnation, our hearts should sing. You know, it is truly a sad state of affairs that, that, that so often we reach a point where the truths of Christmas no longer resonate with us. It's, it's a sad state of affairs that, that we get so hectic. Our schedules get so crazy. We, we're so busy buying gifts and going to events that we fail to stop and wonder at what God has done. That He sent His Son and He took on human flesh. Friends, may it never be that, that we don't wonder at that. That that grace no longer is amazing to us. That that image of a child held in a virgin's arm, a child who is God, a child who is the King of kings, may that never fail to, to bring us to our knees, to put a melody in our hearts and a song on our lips. It's what it does here today. And that's what I want us to see here as we start this uh, this song of Elizabeth and this song of Mary. And again, my prayer is that as we consider these things, we wouldn't be detached from them, but, but that we would allow them to, to work in our hearts as they worked in the hearts of Mary and Elizabeth and that it would cause us, uh, right along with them, to, to sing for joy. Well, let's look at it together. The, the first thing I want us to see is Elizabeth's song. And in that song, you really see the work of God's Holy Spirit. You see how he works in the lives of men and women. You see that in verses 39 through 45. Having heard God's plan, 
for her and having heard of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary decides that, that she's going to go and she's going to share this good news. She's going to go and she's going to share uh, in this experience these two unlikely mothers meeting together. Now, obviously, I'm a man, and so I don't know this for sure, but it is my experience that you ladies, when you are are pregnant, that you have a certain connection with each other that that we can't understand. Now, the reason I say this, one time when Renee, when she was pregnant with Wes, and she was fairly far along, we had gone uh, to uh, Tennessee to shop, just kind of as a last hurrah before he came, before we, you know, we had to stay up all night and all of those things. Sam was staying with the grandparents, and so we went, and we were going kind of shopping. We were in a Carter's uh, looking for baby clothes, and we, all we had had to eat that day was donuts. And so it was like 11 o'clock, and we're walking around. Everything's going great. And I look at Renee, and she's got this look on her face like things were not going so great. And she just turns, and she says, Stephen, I don't feel, and y'all, she hit the floor. Like she was out, cold. And so we were right in front of the cash register. I can still see it. And I looked at the lady. I said, call 911. And I stooped down to help her. And I'm not kidding, y'all. It was like a, a host of pregnant ladies descended upon us. And they had wipes. And they had graham crackers. And they had juice. And they were like, look, try this and give her this. By the time the ambulance got there, she was fine. She was great. These, these ladies, had, they knew exactly what to do to help her in her state. She was passed out. They knew how to revive her. Well, I knew there was a connection then, and you see that connection somewhat here, but it's a connection that goes beyond even what I've described. It's one that, that is connected by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in the life of these ladies to connect them closer than what we can possibly imagine. You see it first with the baby in Elizabeth's womb. Mary comes in, she greets Elizabeth, and what happens? The baby leaps. John leaps for joy as he hears the voice of Mary. But more than that, as he realizes by the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in her womb. Already, what Gabriel had said about this child, this John, who would be the forerunner, who would pave the way for the Savior, already he is beginning that work. By the power of the Spirit, he knows that this is his Savior. And so he leaps, he leaps for joy. It's not just him, it's also Elizabeth, right? It says there that she too is filled with the Spirit so that she exclaims in a loud voice that this song of praise that we see in verses 43 through 45. Let me read that to you again. Actually, back up halfway through 42. It says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken from the Lord. Now, as we approach this, the first thing that that stands out to me is it's amazing that the humility that that Elizabeth shows here, right? The, The baby in her womb is no less miraculous. The baby in her womb is no less sent by God than the one in Mary's. And yet, by the Spirit, she recognizes what is happening here. She recognizes that this child is not just any child, but this child is the Savior. And so she sings 
And she begins by, by recognizing the, the favored position of Mary. But, but notice what she says about Mary. What, what does she praise about her? What is her faith, right? She says, blessed is the one who, who believed that God would do these things. She praises Mary's faith, but then even more importantly than that, and maybe more miraculous, certainly more miraculous, she also recognizes the presence of her Savior. She says, this is the Messiah. She understands who this child is. Now, we don't have time to pursue this, so I'm just going to leave it here with you. Just a side note as we approach this. Here we see what the Bible has to say about when pregnancies are viable, when children are children. Jesus has just been conceived. He's very little more than maybe two or three weeks at the most. And already that is a child in his mother's womb. Now I'm going to leave that there for you. And y'all are sensible people. You can digest that. But how, how did Elizabeth know these things? How did she know the, the truth of Mary and of this child? Well, we've said it. She knew it because the Spirit was at work in her. It's always the Spirit who changes the hearts and the lives of men and women. It's always the Spirit who causes us to believe. Because, friends, if it was left up to us, we would never believe to begin with. You know, the Bible is clear that, that our hearts, they are deceitful above all things. That no one seeks after God. All have turned aside. No one does good. Not even one. Not only are we unable to grasp the truth of Scripture, but again, if, if we left it to ourselves, we would not care to grasp them. We would not care to know and pursue after God. We need miraculous intervention. We need someone to come and to take those hearts of stone. We've said it like three weeks in a row. Hearts of stone and to turn them into warm hearts of flesh. Hearts that rejoice. Hearts that can sing these songs that we're talking about today. Friends, that's why they sing. That's why these characters here rejoice. If we know, if we believe the truth of Scripture, it's only because God has worked it in our hearts. The Spirit has regenerated us. The Spirit has pointed us to the truth, has revealed it to us. And so we can say, how can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died He for me who caused His pain. We can say amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. As when we sing those songs, we should sing them from the bottom of our hearts because we know they're true. We know what God has done for us. And if he had not done it, friends, it would not have been done. And so we rejoice. We rejoice along with Mary and we see that the work of God's Spirit in our lives. But secondly here, we also see Mary's song, right? This Magnificat, 46 through, through 55. Now, it's interesting to me, before we jump into the heart of this, that, that Elizabeth has, has said all that she has said, and it seems that, that all Mary has said to her is hello. It says that, that Mary greets her, and then Elizabeth just breaks forth, right? 
Now, there may have been more there, theologians and commentaries and all this. They speculate on what happened. But what the Bible says is that she greeted her. She said, hello, and Elizabeth just starts singing. She starts saying all of these things. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, again, I don't want to overwork this too much, but I think we are, we are struck here by the importance of the church. We are struck here by the importance of godly friendships, of godly conversation. Because what God is doing here for Mary is he is confirming all that he has said up until this point, right? These words of Elizabeth, they echo what Gabriel said to Mary just a few verses before. Almost, and when you read it, it's almost like you're just hearing Gabriel speak again. Again, blessed are you among women. That's what Gabriel had said to her, right? Blessed is the fruit of your womb. This, this Lord that is there. For this young Jewish mother, that these words of Elizabeth, that they had to serve as further confirmation. That they had to drive home the truth of what God was doing. They could only strengthen her faith. Because I can't tell you how many people come to me and they say, I wish God would give me a sign. I wish God would speak audibly to me. And look, we all, we long for that, don't we? All of our hearts long to hear from God. We wish there's those moments in our lives where we wish God would just open the heavens and he would come down and he would say, this is what you need to do, right? But unfortunately, he doesn't work that way. Not, not right now. Now, there's, he, we don't deny that he can do the miraculous because he certainly can. But friends, more often than not, God speaks to us how? He speaks to us by the power of his word. He speaks to us as we approach the Bible, as we approach Jesus. But he speaks to us also through his people, through each other. As we gather in a place like this, as we go and we eat lunch with that godly friend and we have godly conversations and we preach the truth to each other in love, when we take the time not just to say, hey, I'm going to pray for you, but we actually stop and we pray for somebody in their presence. Friends, in those moments, God comes to us and he speaks. He speaks to us powerfully. Now look, this is not anything particularly mystical. It's not anything particularly profound. Many times, whoever's speaking, they don't even know what God is doing. But you all know that there's those moments where God has given you a desire to do something. God, God has placed a burden on your heart. And somebody that you trust will come to you and they will speak and you'll say, God, that's my answer. You, you just have spoke to me right there in that moment. We've all been there. Friends, we don't need to take that for granted. God speaks through the power of his people. That's why he has given us the church, certainly. He can do miraculous and wonderful things. And we're reading about one of those things right now. But more often than not, he speaks to us through, through the mundane, through the regular things, through the regular conversations that we have as we walk through this world. The question is, are we listening for him? Are we listening for him as we go through this world? Yes, we look for signs and wonders, but are we listening for that soft, still voice that he so often uses well Mary she, she hears it here in these words 
and her, as her faith and as her hopes are confirmed, she begins to sing. Again, she, she breaks forth in song. And there's several things that I want you to notice here. And first, I just want you to notice that, that these are words that are rooted in the Old Testament. That they are rooted in what Mary would have been taught from a very early age. Many have pointed out the connection with, with Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Remember, she is blessed with this child, and she sings a song that sounds very similar. They both magnify the name of the Lord. They both talk about the holiness of God. They both talk about scattering the prideful, lifting up the humble. And so there's certainly a connection there, but it seems to me that, that the better connection is really to the Psalms in general. You see this flavors of Psalm 44, Psalm 98, Psalm 107, Psalm 25, Psalm 147. You can keep going, but you especially see it in Psalm 103. And I'd invite you to turn there if you have your Bibles. I'll just draw your attention to a few of these places. David starts there, and this is a psalm that we know well. But David begins there by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, right? Sounds a lot like Mary. May my soul magnify, exalt the Lord. Flip over to, to verse 7. It says, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. As Mary finishes her song, she's going to point us to the faithfulness of God, to Abraham, to the fathers. It's a reminder to us. You look over at verse 17. It says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Again, if you turn back to Mary's, she says, for his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And Lord, if you, if you want to read through that, you can see so many other connections that are there in Psalm 103. And my point here is, is twofold. First, and we're going to say more about this later, it's a reminder to us that what God is doing is rooted in history. Yes, this is a new thing, him breaking into the world in this way. But, but this has been his plan. We all read it over here, right? Genesis chapter 3, from the very beginning, God had planned to save his people. And so this is something that is not random. This is not something that dis, that's disconnected as we so often want to be today. But this is something that is history. This is something that has run throughout the course of, of, of the world, from the very foundations of the world. God has been doing this. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. But the second reason I point this out is this is a, a reminder to us of the importance of Christian education in our homes. Whether it is with our children or whether it is with ourselves, all Mary is doing here is singing what she knows. She grew up in a Jewish home where she would have been taught God's word from an early age, where she would have memorized scripture. And so when the time comes to praise God, how does she do it? She does it with his word. She sings back to God God's words. Friends, when we look at our lives, what is it that we can memorize? What is it that we memorize? What is it that we can recite? Sarah Grace is three. Mary Eason is three. And I know this is because she's my niece. They both can sing to you every word of every Disney princess song that has been made. 
How many of us can, can recite our, our favorite TV shows? How many of us can, can recite the, our, our favorite movies? How many of us can sing every word to every song that comes on the radio, whatever station we like? But how many of us can recite God's word by heart? How many of us have hit it in a place where it is accessible to us? It's okay if we know those other things, Major League Baseball stats, football stats, it's okay. But when life gets hard, when, when temptation comes, when Satan knocks at the door, and he surely will, and he surely does, how useful will those things be? The answer is not very useful. What's going to be useful in that moment? It is what God has said. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, what does he do? He goes to God's word. It is our sword. It is our armor. It is our shield. If we're teaching our children anything, we have to teach them this. We have to teach them the truth of Scripture. Not just in passing, but that they might hide it in their hearts so that they can stand in this world. Friends, this is a world that is going to seek to, to ensnare them in any way possible. They don't know the truth. It will surely happen. And we're living in a time where you know that, that the church cannot be solely responsible to do that. We as parents, and I'm preaching to myself, we have to teach our children the truth of Scripture. We have to. It's the only way. It's the only way we will stand in the end. And, and so Mary's song, it is rooted in what she knows. It's rooted in the Old Testament. And as we approach the, the actual content of this hymn, the first thing you see is that she sings for, for what God has done for and what God has done for all of those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, now we have seen this for, for several weeks but once again, we're reminded here of who Mary is, and we're reminded of it in her own words. She, she says, you have looked on the humble estate of your servant. She sees who she is. She knows that she is lowly. She knows that she is not worthy of these things. She knows the truth of her heart. But then she also knows there in verse 47 that this is her Savior, in verse 49, she knows that he is holy. And then in verse 50, she knows that he is merciful. This Savior that has come into the world, that now resides in her, her womb, is holy and merciful. He is the only one who can save her. It's clear here that, that Mary doesn't view herself as one who, who is righteous. As one who we said several weeks ago is full of grace. No, she understands that, that she needs a Savior. She sees herself in the truth of God's holiness. She needs mercy. She needs God to do great things. And once again, Mary is a wonderful example to us. Not one to be worshipped, but one that we surely can follow as God's people. 
To be a Christian means we have to have an accurate view of who we, of who we are. And again, that's hard in the world that we lived in. I told them at the first service that Miss Linda says all the time that when you started in an education, it was the whole idea of you're a good person and you don't, you don't have to discipline anybody and you say it begin there, right? That's what Miss Linda always tells me. It's hard to have an accurate view of ourselves in the world that we live in, but the truth is, is, is what we've already seen. We are those who are poor in spirit. We have sinned against God. We see our inability to save ourselves. And so we do what Mary does and what all Christians do. We cry out for mercy. We say, God, if we're to be saved, you are the only one who can do it. You must do great things from generation to generation. And the wonder of it all is he does. But notice what he does to the proud there. That's the second thing Mary says. Verses 51 through 53 says that he scatters the proud, those, those who are wise in their own eyes, those who, who think they have it all figured out, those who would deny these things that we talk about today, the virgin birth, the incarnation of our Lord, the cross. He scatters them. He brings down the rulers, the, the mighty from their thrones, he shatters all our supposed knowledge. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says this. He says, When the King of kings and the Lord of lords came into the world, he came into a stable. If you do not feel a sense of holy laughter within you, I do not see that you have a right to think that you are a Christian. Thank God this gospel, this, this salvation came. God turning upside down. Reversing everything we have ever thought, everything we have ever taken pride in. The mighty, why he will pull them down from their seats. He has been doing so. He is still doing so. Let any man arise and say he is going to govern, to be the God of the whole world. You need not be afraid. He will be put down. Every dictator has gone down. They all do. Finally, the devil and all that belong to him will go down to the lake of fire and will be destroyed forever. The Son of God has come into the world to do that. You remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wonder, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and a folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. See what James says there at the top of your bulletin. James 4.10 Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Friends, as we try to wrap this thing up, let me ask you, how do you view yourself today? Look, I'm not, I'm not asking you to, to beat yourself up. I'm not asking you to, to go overboard with this. Just asking you for, for an honest assessment. Look at your heart. 
Look at your heart in light of a holy and righteous God, a God who is perfect, who has never sinned, who has never done evil, who will never do any of those things. Look at yourself in light of who he is and ask the question, how am I doing? Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Have you done that? The answer is you haven't. Second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You loved your neighbor? The Pharisee says, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. He says, everybody is your neighbor. Anybody you come into contact with. Have you loved people the way God called you to love them? The answer is you haven't. Jesus says, a new commandment that I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. And so if we loved each other the way Christ has loved us, Husbands, have we loved our wives the way that Christ loved the church? Wives, have you been submissive to your husbands the way that Christ gave himself for the church? What Paul says in Ephesians 5, the answer is we haven't done those things. So what hope do we have? The answer is Jesus. That is the only hope we have. Mary gives it to us there in verses 54 and 55. She says, And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Friends, God has made promises. They began in Genesis 3.15. And he has been faithful to remember them over and over and over again. And he remembered them most clearly in a manger. He remembered them on a cross. He sent his son to die to take our sins so that we might have eternal life. This king has come. Jesus, he stoops down. and He scoops us out of the mess of our lives. He comes to us. He frees us. And he makes us what we could never be. Holy. He makes us children, every one of us, children of Abraham. Yes, you're a sinner, and I am too. But here's the good news today. Jesus loves sinners. I don't know why, but he does. And he especially loves those sinners who know they are, who will run to him, who will confess it all before him who will fall at the cross and say, Lord, here it is. Here's the truth. i got nowhere else. i got nothing. i got nowhere else to go. I've been reading a book, and in it, it says, what what causes God's heart to to speak? The answer is, is, is our desperation. When we come to him in that desperate moment and say, Lord, you are all I need. You're the only one who can do this. He speaks. He says, yeah, yeah, you're mine. You're mine, and that will never change. Friends, I encourage you today. Run to Jesus. Confess it all. Maybe it's the first time you've done it. Maybe it's the thousandth time you've done it. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If we come and we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins over and over again every single time. Run to Jesus. He's the only one who can save us. Let's pray together. Father, as we consider these things, Lord, we pray that, that they might cause our hearts to sing. 
Lord, as we consider the truth of who we are, it's not a pretty picture, and your word does not paint a pretty picture of it. But Father, you have made promises, you have redeemed us through Jesus, and all of your promises are yes and amen through him. And so we have hope for today, not in ourselves, not in the things that we do, but in what Jesus has done for us. And I pray that for every one of us here, that you would help us in this time that we have to look at our hearts, to to make an honest assessment uh, of where we stand with you now. Father, if, if we have not confessed our sins, if we have not fallen before you and cried out for mercy, Lord, I pray that, that we would do that now. Lord, you, you promise that, that all who come, you will not turn out any of them. And so, Lord, we can come freely to you and we can find grace. We can find salvation. And Lord, maybe, maybe we are, are sinful. Maybe we've been with you a long time, but, but our hearts have just wandered away. Lord, bring us back. Show us, our, show us the truth of, of what we've done. and Bring us back to our Savior. Help us to, to fall down and to cry out and to love you with, with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Lord, how we praise you. How we thank you today for our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.